1: Talk, not really.
0: How are you? I'm pretty good, man. It's my uh, my watch and booze brother from another mother.
1: <laughs> it's always fun to share that uh, that that sibling connection with you.
0: Yeah, totally, man. How is uh, how is everything going today in your your work from home purgatory?
1: Well, we're we're recording on a Friday, and I have to say, it feels like a Friday for once. I don't know why. Um, last week was a long one. This last this this current week um, kind of flew by. And it feels like Friday, we're recording, Uh, we have drinks in hand, we're about to talk watches and more, and that makes me very happy.
0: That's awesome, man. Well, I tell you what, let's just dive right in. Let's do a wrist check. What have you got?
1: Carrying on with the Friday theme, I've got um, my little BWC uh, Swiss uh, chronograph on. It's just a fun Friday watch. I mean, you dress it down, it's always on a strap, Um, you know, early 60s. Valjoux 7733 movement, just a classic workhorse manual wind. It's just fun and funky. I think on a recent episode we talked about, can you wear, you know, your quirky watches to work and, and sometimes yes, sometimes no. And this is one that's just full of character and it's a lot of fun to strap on a Friday and, um, you know, the dial screams at you and it's got fun sub dials and these markers, these hour markers on here are like bricks, man. They're about three stories high. It's just a fun watch.
0: Yeah. There's a lot of depth to that watch. I really like that one on you. I think that's another one that's very kind of time and tequila, you know, uh, uh, that vibe. And I don't know if I ever told you this, but I almost bought one of those, the same reference and the same color from, um, Alistair Gibbons, ATG vintage, um, who we are eventually, once this podcast is matured enough, we have got to have him on. I know that our friends, um, you know, Summer and Josh have been, I think, threatening to have him on. And if we poach him, I think I knew him first. So, (laughs) but I regret passing on that because I, you know, was really kind of into a larger watch phase probably 10 or 12 years ago. This is probably 2009 when he had those on his website. And I just, I never capitalized on it and they were so reasonable and I didn't do it and I should have. So I was stupid. It's a great watch.
1: I think at some point we should, um, thank you, Matt. I think at some point we should talk about just our own personal collecting, um, life cycle. I mean, it's never ending, right? So it's not like we're anywhere near the end of the journey, but, um, anyway, this is, this was one of the first, if not the first vintage when I kind of really, you know, um, went all in, I think on vintage and kind of stayed away from modern for a moment. And, um, I'm glad I did. Like you said, it's, it's a really, really great fun piece. Tell me what's on your wrist today. Well,
0: speaking of vintage and modern, um this might sound a little bit cliché, but I have the Tudor Black Bay 58 <laughs> and it's rad. So this is not the the blue watch, this is kind of the the OG black and gilt dial and I just love it. It's very warm on wrist and somebody, I don't remember who it was who said this. So on the odd like 1 in a million chance that, you know, one of uh our friends who listens to this actually said this to me, please speak up and claim credit. But they put it very well. It was like, the watch is so great because, you know, it's, it looks and has the aesthetics of a four-digit Rolex. It wears and has the wrist presence of like a five-digit late model kind of five-digit with solid end links. And it's got like the tech and the it puts you in the headspace of the six-digit watches. You know, it's got a, a three-day movement. It's, you know, a chronometer movement. You know, because it's brand new, it's going to have great water resistance. You're not, you know, worried about a watch that's 30, 40 years old, um, you know, and taking that into the pool or anything like that. So you've got that peace of mind. And it's just all the best things, again, about the four digit, five digit, six digit. Um, It's very reasonable. It's not like you're walking around, you know, with, uh, you know, the contents of a bank vault on your wrist or anything like that. Uh, But at the same time, it's just got that kind of timeless. Cool. And it's relatively new to me. I was a little bit late to the Black Bay 58 game. I think um, the 2018 releases from Basel, the three biggies, you know, for me anyway, in terms of the dive watch world, were the Black Bay 58, the Black Bay GMT, and pardon me, and the uh the Omega Seamaster. And this was the last one that I added to the collection of those three, just maybe four months or so ago. Thank you, Feldmar. And um, it's great. I love it. This could I easily
1: love that be piece. I love that piece on you. I love that piece on anybody. Um, it's just a great, great watch. I have a, a pseudo watch friend right now that's really head over heels for good reason uh, on those, and I'm trying to push him just get him right over the uh, over the uh, the edge so he can fully jump in. I know he's about ready to, but um, it's uh, it's a it's a great one. It it checks so many boxes. It's really fantastic.
0: Yeah, it's awesome. So what about, Greg, what about a, uh, let's do a quick pour check. What have you got today?
1: You know, right now I'm I'm drinking uh, something that you're familiar with, uh, Fortaleza tequila, of course. Love that one. This is uh, just a great, great, great brand, a great product. And one that I point people to when they're looking for recommendations. A lot of folks will say, I, I want to get into it or I don't know much where do I start? And, um, it should kind of start with Tequila Fortaleza. It's, uh, you know, family owned, there's a whole big story to it, which we could go into another time. But the point is it's family owned. They they kind of reinvigorated an old family distillery, you know, about 15, 20 years ago, and they make it the old school way, uh, crushed big volcanic stone that they run over the cooked agaves that extract the juices, and uh, this particular one is special because this is the Blanco. Um, I know you and I were together not too long ago, and you picked up a Reposado, and I think you really enjoyed it. This Blanco is um, a lot 100. They, they, all the tequilas go by lots, or in, in Spanish, you might call it lote. But um, this is the 100th batch that they've made. And so it's a special one. It's got a little neck hang tag on it that indicates lot 100. And the reason it's special is they source their agaves from the highlands and then this is something we get into another time too there's lowland and and highland agave, uh, uh, tequila production you know to if you really wanted to boil it down into two two main buckets and fortaleza is in the lowlands in tequila valley in tequila Jalisco, but these agave came from the highlands which are known to be a little sweeter um in a different flavor profile than the lowlands and so this uses Highland um, agaves. It's a little bit sweeter. I think a little less herbaceous, a little less vegetal than the normal Blanco they do, and uh, it was distilled to proof. You know, distilled to eighty um, uh, percent, and so you know, it's uh, eighty proof. And so it's just a, a really interesting and different take on what is probably the best, easily available, currently made tequila blanco. What's in your glass?
0: Well, I tell you what, you're right. <laughs> Yeah. Um, well, today for me, it's actually pretty simple. I have the, this is actually a beer that I really enjoy from a, a brewery that's local to us here in the San Gabriel Valley. This is Overtown Brewery's White Walker. And it's kind of a, uh, you know, I think they they launched this at the height of the Game of Thrones thing. But this is a white ale. And, you know, if you're familiar with something like Einstock or, um, you know, maybe some of the, the Belgian white ales. Uh, It's got that little kind of that spice note to it. Um, You know, it's a a little kind of Christmassy and fall, but I really like this one. It's a little easier drinking than some other white ales because it's just uh, it's not as yeasty, which is not to say that, you know, most white ales are are yeast bombs. But this one is a little bit kind of cleaner, crisper, um, and it's 5.7. So I wouldn't say that's like sessionable or anything, but it's just a uh, it's a great beer from a great couple of guys. and. I think we, we were talking a little bit about this in the chat before we hit the record button, but one of the owners is a guy who is, um, he's kind of our age and he's not a watch guy, but he's got a great watch and people like us, when we go in, you know, if you sit down with him and talk for a few minutes, you're going to notice it. He just has this beautiful, like warmly patinated, you know, um, plexi sapphire 36 millimeter. If I had to guess, I'd say it's 30 or 40 years old. Date just and it's just gorgeous and it's on a strap and you know he's like what is that a good watch is that a, you know I'm like yeah it's, a, it's an amazing watch man that's fantastic it looks so good so I don't know I have a little emotional attachment to this brewery because of the guy's watch but the beer is great um, and you're absolutely right about your poor um, Fortaleza is fantastic and it, it probably is the the bottling that really opened my eyes to tequila as like a a sipping spirit. It was it was fantastic. I really like it. I'm gonna have to try the Blanco next. I take that back. I just bought a bottle of the Blanco. I just haven't opened it yet.
1: Oh, you're gonna be in for a treat. And it, I had the same experience. I think with them, it, it was probably the one that just opened my eyes. And then we actually went down to visit the the distillery um, one time, and just really, really awesome experience. Talk about small batch, you know, spirits. At uh, you know, that's how that's how it really is. You know, I think we need to, we need to get our bike, our bicycle brewery, brew pub tour going when, when everything is allowed to happen in that way, because we've been talking about that. And I know you have a number of spots and I really, really, really want to do it.
0: I was joking around, I think in one of our group chats, um, for the listener, Greg and I are, uh, are friends with Josh and Summer from the Out of Time podcast, as well as Chase, sometimes known as Horology411. So he's got an an eponymous website, but he was also kind of one of the OGs in the watch podcasting kind of arena with the, uh, the On Time podcast. You know, it was Chase and Mike. And then um, we also talk with Natalie and Natalie lives nearby. But if you kind of think of where we live, she lives way up the hill from me. And if we were to somehow meet at Natalie's place we could all coast downhill toward where I live and between her house and my house catch probably six breweries in the space of maybe a 10 mile ride. So that would be great. Although uh, <laughs> as long as it as, I I have, well, as line, long as I don't have to pedal
1: back up as
0: yeah, right. Exactly. Yeah, we'll we'll have a uh, a chase vehicle. Speaking of which, um, you know, for everybody, I I hope it's obvious. You know, when we talk in a, in about watches and beers and fine wine and cocktails and stuff like that, everybody, uh, you know, drive safely, please. You know, don't uh, don't drink and drive. Use Uber. That's what it's for. We don't want to to advocate doing anything like that, even if it's on a bike. So that's my my PSA for this particular episode. So hey, with that, let's, um, what do you think? Do you want to dive into the main topic? I'm ready. All right. So Greg, here's my question, man. What is the deal with Nomos? Do you have any experience with what this What is brand? the deal? Let's,
1: let's talk German watchmaking. Um, gosh, you know, it made me think earlier, um, how underrepresented sometimes, um, that arena is and, um, you know, I think it deserves a lot of attention. And, and what a cool brand Nomos is, in my opinion, and I'm curious to hear what you, some of your perspectives on it are, but I think they do a lot of things really well. I think uh, the, the aesthetics that they um, carry through almost all of their line is immediately recognizable, um, but also super unique um, in the watch world. And the fact that they're doing almost, you know, every, so much stuff in house, you know, just speaks to, I think their, their watchmaking prowess and ability. And, um, and they, and they cover the, they, they, you can get in at the, at one point, you know, the entry points can be all over, you know, from kind of your first, you know, maybe mechanical watch or your first foray into, you know, this, this hobby all the way up into, you know, some different um, price points. And they do all of it, and they do all of it really well. And they do it with, with some flair, um, you know, reserved, of course, but with some fun. And so, you know, I have a few that have stood out to me. I'm curious where, what parts of the lineup that you love. And, um, you know, it's also one that I think I've had a few people who maybe haven't, don't really collect watches or haven't really bought, their, you know, a mechanical watch yet. And they say, what should I get? What, what do you recommend? And you'll, you give them a few ideas, like I'm sure you do all the time. And Nomos, especially that club, uh, is one that i always recommend because it's it, it, it's accessible um you know if you if you're willing to you know make that investment into you know a timepiece i think that's one that you know relative relative to its peers you can do and uh and it can be pretty fun too it doesn't have to be stuffy so i love the line and i think it's one that i've even still admired from afar to some degree but i really enjoy it when i when i come in, in touch with it
0: Well, I agree with all of that. I have no okay, so I have to, you know, um hold up my hand here and admit that I've never owned one. I don't own one now and I haven't in the past. I've had a lot of opportunities to examine. We have a number of mutual friends who have a, a number of these, you know, from uh, you know, the club. I know that, um I know somebody who has an Orion that I've had a chance to take a look at. Uh I've had an Ahoy in my hand. That's a great watch. Um, that looks kind of big. But uh, the the watches, the finishing are fantastic. You make a great point about how accessible they are relative to maybe some of their peers, especially, you know, what I would kind of consider mid to, to higher end German watchmaking, you know, like, uh, Gio or, uh, Lange, you know, this is certainly, you know, a bargain to get into something, you know, from Saxony, which is great. Um, the one thing, and I think, you know, that has stopped me from buying anything. Well, here before I even go into that, you know, down that rabbit hole. I would say the other thing that I love, and I, you kind of hinted at it. I don't know that you actually mentioned this, but man, the watches, some of the designs, at least some of the lines, they've really unpacked the box and opened the box on how much fun they can have with things. The, I want to say the club campus in particular, that sort of pseudo Cali dial. I don't know what you would call that aesthetic, but that's awesome. And I like the colors with that. And I'm actually right now, we haven't talked about this before, but I'm in the process of kind of shopping a a basic watch for my wife, and she must have a second hand, you know a full size second hand and so I've been kind of going back and forth between Junghans, another German brand, and Nomos, and as much as the Junghans kind of makes more sense because of that center second that they have and they've got some quartz watches which she actually prefers um, but I really want to buy her a Nomos. <laughs> Because I, frankly, I probably would, <laughs> But you know, uh, unisex watch alert, um, for Kara Barrett. Uh, but yeah, there, some of those watches are just fantastic and they're so much fun in terms of the colors. Tell me how awesome would this be? So, you know, up near the top of their line, you know, is the, the Zurich line of watches and there's the, the Zurich and the Zurich Veldt site, the world timer. And that blue that they do, which is kind of so dark and, and just this kind of stately deep blue color where you can't really sometimes tell is that blue, is it black? Is it like a dark purple? What is it? How awesome would that be if they did that watch in something like a yellow or, you know, a, maybe not that blaze orange or signal red is I think what they call it, but, you know, maybe a lighter blue, like the, um, I don't know what the the term for it would be, but the the lighter color blue in the Bavarian flag, for instance. You know, it's the blue that the BMW Roundel is known for. You know, it's the it's basically just a little cross section of of the uh the Bavarian flag. Not that these folks are in Bavaria or anything, but you know what I mean. But that that color looks great. Um I I would I would probably be a customer for a watch like that all day long, even though it doesn't really have a place in my watch box. I would be like, "Okay, gimme. What? Do, how, how do I need to save up for that?"
1: It's one of our favorite things, right? To to take something that's already in production and play with it a little bit to say what it, what would make it part of my collection. Right? You're kind of on the precipice; like you could maybe do it, but what would be the one tweak or the one little nudge that you would make that would they would probably put it in your watch box. And I, I agree. That would be a great look. That would be an absolutely great look. And I've, I've always admired that one. We know a few, I know a few folks um, who have gotten it uh, one in particular who, who visited um, Nomos, And that was the kind of the, 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 the um, uh, mem- 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 memory to bring back home was that Zurich and how cool to do that, too, bring that home from the factory. And um but, uh, you know, like you said, I think they're fun up and down the line. Um, they could have some fun in other ways, but, you know, I think that would be cool what you do how you described it.
0: Now, you mentioned somebody going and picking that up. That reminds me of, uh, you know, with BMW or Volvo or what have you, where you can uh, do the European delivery kind of experience, go overseas, pick up your car, drive it around on the Autobahn on vacation, and then come home with the new passport stamp and just uh, wait while they ship your car. You don't have to wait with the watch. You can just clear customs, customs, and uh, yeah, you're, you're good to go. That's some neat memory making. What is your favorite model from them?
1: You know, I think if I, if you, we've been just talking about it for so long, but the Zurich, if I, if there was one that would probably find its way on my wrist, you know, would, would probably be the Zurich, Um, I think the Autobahn is really cool. I know that one was, you know, a a more recent addition to the lineup within the last few years. I think it's just fun. I haven't seen it in person, to be honest. Um, so that I, I have to say it with that caveat, but I just think it's really cool and fun. Um, has some depth to the dial, of course, some color, uh, that makes it pop. And, um, you know, the Ahoy you mentioned earlier, I mean, the lugs on that just for days, which is, you know, a great look. Um, but I can't speak to it's, you know, risk presence, you know, between all of those, you know, I think there's, there's, I would say, yeah, I mean,
0: if there's one thing that kind of keeps me away from, from NOMOS is the wearability of the lugs. I think most of the models with maybe an exception of the club, although the club still definitely has that, um, or something like the, um, maybe the Metro, you know, where it's got kind of wire lugs, but for the most part, the lugs are really, really a a massive part of the, the physical architecture of the case. And I think a lot of people would complain about that. You know, I, I'm a relatively small wristed guy, you know, depending on the heat and if I'm working out or dieting or whatever, I'm at about maybe, maybe 6.5 to 6.75. And, um, in terms of rich circumference and, you know, I think I'd probably have to get like a 33 millimeter watch from them to not have it look like 50 millimeters lug to lug. And, you know, increasingly as my tastes are getting, you know, a little more, I'm gravitating towards smaller watches. Maybe that's going to be doable, but something like the Ahoy or the watch that you mentioned, the Autobahn, which I think is phenomenal. I mean, to me, that is so in your face, cool. But that's going to wear like a, yeah. a pie plate on, on a skinny guy like me. That's going to be a big one. So I don't know. I'd probably would stick to something like a club. Or again, the, um, uh, the other one that I like a lot is that Metro, especially the original. You know, it has the, um, if you want to kind of think of it like this, sort of a little bit off center in the upper right-hand quadrant of the dial has the gong reserve, the, the power reserve. To me, that thing looks very, very cool. So I'd have to. I would probably get that as my first Nomos.
1: You know. With all that said, too, I think I, I admire the Bauhaus styling um, and really do appreciate it. But I have to, if I'm really being honest, when and there's probably a reason um, for this. Um, it doesn't. It doesn't really. It doesn't really find a way on my wrist, I don't think. Um, and so that's probably been part of it as well. You know, maybe why I appreciate the ones that are a little bit, um, kind of unique in their lineup from some of the others, or maybe, you know, fall out of that aesthetic slightly, even though it's still all pretty, I think, tight, um, and uniform. So that's probably been another, another piece of it too. Um, you're certainly, you know, kind of going into that, um, arena, you know, up and down the, the portfolio.
0: Well, you make a good point. I think this is what Nomos is known for—is having that, you know, that sort of Teutonic Bauhaus look, and some of the references really stay, you know, in that box. And it's a—it's kind of, unfortunately, I personally think it's kind of a small box. We know people who are design nerds. Um, I know people who geek out on typeface and stuff like that, and they're going to love stuff like that. But you know, for me, and I expect you're probably the same way. Um something like the Ludwig or you know the Tangenta, those are they look kind of the same to me. The club, um, the Ahoy, the uh the Autobahn, the Metro, that's the stuff that I love. And you know, that's that's probably the pond in which I would fish as far as you know, nomos goes.
1: So you know we've 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 covered a lot on nomos i think and uh, a brand that we definitely admire and um have have had the chance to enjoy and, and probably welcome people to to spend more time with them and um you know i'm looking forward to maybe visiting our friends and uh you know at the, our ad friends and, and maybe trying a few more on and, and getting a little more you know accustomed to what they have to offer speaking of what's what's to offer wh- what are you doing this weekend what's what's on your menu I, I know we're supposed to have some pretty nice weather and I'm curious um, curious what you're cooking up this weekend
0: I almost feel bad for talking about it because we have um, for the listeners we're recording this kind of mid uh, Mid February, and as we speak, like February, or Texas, I should say, is in the grips of you know just just this incredible uh, weather disaster. So, our hearts go out to them. Uh, but here in Southern California, we've been pretty fortunate. We've had uh, it's been dry and, and sunny, and it, this weekend looks like it's going to be more of the same. So, I'll be outside. I'll be cooking outside on that green egg, and I think I'm going to try my hand at like Memphis style dry rub. So, I want to do some ribs. Um, We're probably going to eat outside. It's staying light a little bit longer. And, you know, if I can uh, get my family around the table, maybe a little early, I think we'll, we'll actually try like our first outdoor meal of the year. So like ribs, maybe salad, um, you know, do something that my kids like. We maybe, you know, crack open watermelon or or something along those lines with, with everything. How about you?
1: Well, I have a cocktail I want to throw to you, and um, okay. and I think this would be a good, you know, addition to the cocktail matchmaker um, segment. Melon basil, basil mezcal margarita. This is, I think, is this screams to me outside dining, nice weather, kind of a barbecue picnic. Um, I think it's gonna just be, it's gonna totally pull together everything that you have on the menu. Uh, one of my favorites, really. Uh basic margarita recipe, but with a little a little flair. Um it's not gonna take too much effort. So got you have the watermelon on hand, so you're already you know one step ahead of the game. We're gonna make some fresh uh watermelon juice from that. Um two ounces espadine mescal of your choice, um three ounces of uh that fresh watermelon juice, an ounce of fresh lime juice, muddle some basil in your shaker. Uh, and I don't always do this, but it works on this one. Salt rim. I used some Himalayan salt, that pink Himalayan salt. So it gave it a really great color pop. You yeah, the, the margarita obviously is going to have a, a red pink, um, color to it from your watermelon juice. So the pink Himalayan salt just really gave it a nice presentation, throw some basil on the top of that. And gotcha. I think yes. the presentation is going to be top notch. Um, but the smokiness of the, of the mezcal, the, you know, the roasted, you know, flavor is going to pull through. Um, on the sweetness of the watermelon. And I think you guys are going to have a really awesome time with uh, what sounds to me like a perfect day outside.
0: Yeah. Awesome. We're well, going to have to wish me luck on the ribs because I've, I've done that many times, but not on the green egg yet. So that's going to be a little trial and error. But let me ask you a question just for the listener. Cause I mean, until, you know, fairly recently hanging out with you, I wouldn't have known this. Explain what is espadine?
1: With tequila, um, so we're gonna bounce back and forth for just a moment. Tequila, most most of its production, all of it actually, by definition, has to be 100, um, percent you know, uh, um, blue Weber agave, and so that's a a, that's a, a varietal uh, species of of agave. On the mezcal side, um, it's almost limitless. I mean, we're they're still finding you know all the time new agave species that are used in in mezcal production, but there's upwards of you know. 40 50 60 known agave species that are used the most common being espadine and so espadine can be cultivated um, relatively with ease um it also has a shorter um uh growth and, and uh, maturation um uh phase and so it, it's 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 kind of the workhorse if you want to call it that we always talk about workhorses, is the workhorse of the mezcal category and so um where you might consider the most basic. Um, as a mezcal that you would either introduce yourself to, or if you do use it in cocktails, you probably want to be using Espadine. Um, there are wild varietals that you want to be enjoying neat by themselves, and you probably wouldn't want to put in a cocktail just because they're so so much more rare um, and uh, you know have maybe have taken so much more time to grow in the ground that you want to enjoy them in a different way. So Espadine is your your basic um, most elemental form of, of mezcal.
0: Got it. So what I'm hearing is that Espadine is like the Valju 7750 of agave plants.
1: (laughs) Nailed it. If it doesn't get any more uh, complimentary than that, I don't know what does.
0: (laughs) Perfect. One last question then just again, kind of more for the listener's benefit. Although frankly, I'm not sure if I know the answer to this. So let me, I'm going to see if I'm correct. In essence, is this correct? True or false? Um, All tequila is mezcal. Not all mezcal is tequila. Tequila is essentially kind of a uh, a term that refers to a, an appellation, almost. In other words, it's the it's the kind of mezcal that is from the Tequila Valley, from Jalisco.
1: Is that right? I would have said uh, until just very recently, yes. And I think that was actually a really easy way for folks to understand how they're related, but quite you know unique in their own right. And, um, you know, I, I, I pay a lot of attention to, uh, another podcast and a, a good, I guess what you call a friend, um, it's called the, uh, agave road trip, um, uh, podcast and Lou bank, who, who's the host of that also runs an, a nonprofit that supports communities in Mezcal producing communities. And they did an episode on this recently and made me sort of rethink the position, basically the. Governmental bodies that oversee tequila production and mezcal production have become very um, interested in, and also um, uh, legislative in in capturing the words tequila, mezcal in terms of their denomination of origin and how that you can use them. And so nowadays, it's harder to say what you just said because mezcal has a very legal definition and tequila has a very legal definition. And so, you know, what I might say these days is, you know, mezcal is kind of the umbrella, kind of the godfather, the grandfather of agave spirits production. Um, And at one point, tequila was um, sort of under that. But if you wanted to be really um, kind of cognizant of, of kind of legal definition now, it's really changed that conversation. It made it very difficult to talk about, quite frankly, Matt.
0: All right, well we'll kind of keep it at the uh, the 30,000 foot level then and just say that it's um it's probably akin to you know uh denomination naming for, you know, French wine and Italian cheese and just leave it at that. It is what it is and we'll we'll talk about it like mezcal and tequila and stuff like that. And again for the listener, we're going to talk about bourbon and we're going to talk about beer. Don't worry. The last couple have been tequila, but it's it's all out there. Well, I tell you what, buddy, we are pushing through about 30 minutes here um, and it is probably about time to wrap this up. My wife thinks I'm in the bathroom, so I probably better uh, stop recording now because she's hopefully maybe not worried about me. But, and I'm sure you need to get back to work or go pick up the kids, yeah?
1: I'm on, uh, I'm on uh, uh, pickup duty today, so I've, uh, I'm going to make my way over to the kids in a moment and um, you know, get our weekend started as well.
0: Awesome, dude. Well, thanks a lot. I really appreciate it. Everybody, thanks for tuning in. Um, Please do stop by and rate us at the podcast platform of your choice. It really helps. We appreciate it. Have a great weekend. This will be the last sip. Cheers. Salute.
1: We hope you enjoyed the episode. Don't forget to rate us on your podcast platform of choice. It really does help. You can find us on Instagram at Spirit of Time Podcast and contact us at spiritoftimepodcast at gmail.com.
0: As always, please drink responsibly. Thanks again for listening. We'll see you next time.